you're listening to Unleash Your Extraordinary, the podcast designed to help you supercharge your growth. I'm Jess and this is episode 42. Do you ever wonder why it's so freaking hard to make the changes that we actually want to make? And these might be those bigger life changes like changing where you live, changing your role, changing your company, or they might be changes in behavior, changes in the way that you approach what you're doing if there's signals that it's not working to the best that it could be, or changes in your leadership style or your sense of self and who you want to be, changes in habit and mindset. And yet, even though we often deep down can feel this pull that those changes are so much better for us and we feel this inner excitement that might be sort of cuddled in fear. But once we can get past that fear monster down to the excitement, we know that they're going to serve us and we know that we feel this sense of like, oh yeah, I've got to do it. And yet we resist it. We can put those changes off. We can stay in the pain of where we are, hopefully more of the spiritual, not physical pain. But you know what I mean? That sort of sense of, God, I know I need to change, but why am I not changing? Why can I not do something about this? And I spend a lot of time thinking about change. I think about why we resist it, how we can make it in the face of fear and doubt, and also what we can do to make it easier and even fun to step into these changes, to step into our fear and through our doubt so that we can become the people that we want to be, the leaders that we want to be, and the creators that we want to be. Because without change, there is no growth. And I bet that as you look back on the chapters of your life where you grew the most, change was at the heart of it. I know it was for sure for me when I look back, even on the snapshot of the last five years, there is so much change in that time and it has just been an absolute catalyst for my growth from things like moving to San Francisco from the UK to then a few years later, handing in my notice to embark on discovering what was more what this inner calling was that was telling me that where I was wasn't where I was meant to be and so listening to that calling and handing in my notice with no idea what was next has been one of the biggest game-changing moments of my life and then following that gosh there's been so many to then moving back to the UK to starting a business starting my coaching business having started Unleash the workshops that I run and even as I say those, those, those kind of feel like logistical changes, you know, like work changes. But within that, there's so many small but mighty micro changes that I've had to make on the inside. You know, how I think about myself, how I believe in myself, what my mindset is, what my habits are, how I approach certain situations and, you know, learning and iterating and experimenting on what works and what I enjoy, what I want more of, what I want less of. And so change is at the heart of everything, isn't it? And we're changing all the time. Even from the snapshot I just shared with you there, like I am not the same Jess that I was five years ago or even three years ago, even a year ago. And I bet that you're not the same either. There's gotta be so much change that you have already stepped into, whether that's inner change, the work that you've done on yourself, or outer change, the work that you are doing in the world, in your world, I bet that you are so different to the person you were however many years ago that feel right for you. 
And so as we think about this, as I've been sort of marinating on change, and really, as I say, I spend a lot of time thinking about change because let's be honest, it's at the core of coaching, isn't it? Making changes is at the core of our growth and therefore helping people make changes is at the core of my work as a coach. And it's also at the core of my work on myself to be the best coach that I can be and have the impact that I ultimately dream of. Yet when I thought about change, I'm actually reminded of a model that I learned about in my product days. So this is taking us back to the San Francisco Jess chapter, which is where I learned about this model. And I'm excited to share it with you because I think it can shine a light on how we can make the changes that we want to make. And so to introduce the model, first, I'd like to introduce you to its creator, Dr. BJ Fogg, who other than having the coolest name possible and being the founder of the Behaviour Design Lab at Stanford University, is the creator of the Fogg Behaviour Model. And I originally learned about this model, as I mentioned, back in my days of designing products and looking specifically at behaviour change and how we can create it. And so according to the Fogg behaviour model, three ingredients have to be present for behaviour change to take place, to happen. And all three need to be present. It can't just be one of the three or two of the three. All three have to be present at the same time. And so those ingredients are motivation, ability and prompts, or as they previously used to be called back in my San Francisco chapter, triggers. And I'll kind of refer to them as triggers because I feel that feels a bit more aligned with what we're talking about here and the change that we're talking about. Because obviously this model, from my understanding, was primarily designed for creating behaviour change in products, as in how can products be created so that customers use them more and adapt their behavior to make them a part of maybe their daily routine if we're looking at apps like meditation apps or to be potentially slightly addictive if we're looking at the apps like social and so although it is more with that slant I think there's so much that we can extract to then play with for our own behavior change which is really at the core then of any change of how we approach it what we do the actions we take, that's all sort of encompassed in behaviour change. So let's dig into those three factors a little bit more. So motivation, again, according to the Fogg behaviour model, there are a few core motivators and they're typically this or that. So we have pleasure versus pain, which I feel of the three that I'm about to share with you is the most relevant to us. We have hope versus fear and social acceptance versus social rejection. So you can already start to see within that, right, of if we know that behind change there is motivation, right, the spark to do something, to make a change, we can probably already start to relate to what our motivators have previously been. Has it been a change for pleasure, for something for the better? Has it been a change because where we are is too painful, so we want to move away from that pain? We could also then maybe look at hope versus fear. I think so often we maybe more make changes out of fear than we do hope. I think fear naturally runs us a little bit more than hope does. And we can look at even on, you know, sort of daily awareness of that, we can start to see how we might be making decisions from more of a place of fear. Like what if I miss out, FOMO, or what if people don't like this thing? What if I post this photo and people don't like it? What if I speak up in a meeting 
and my idea doesn't land or I don't get the response I hope for, we can start to see how we're driven a little bit more by even micro fear than hope. You know, we choose to maybe stay quiet in a meeting rather than speak up because the fear, the risk is greater than the hope that we might feel. And again, we could even tie that into pleasure versus pain, where maybe the speaking up, the thought of doing so is so painful that we don't do it, right? Getting the nerves, feeling the sort of bodily reaction to thinking, oh God, I might put my hand up in a minute or I might say something out loud. That pain could keep us where we are rather than choosing the pleasure of boosting our confidence, boosting our courage by saying, yeah, I spoke up in that meeting. Or if you're a client of mine and listening to this, being able to WhatsApp me and we celebrate it. But really we can look at where that pain sits. Is the pain on doing the thing or not doing the thing? And I think so often we stay still using that example, right? That possibly micro, but yet I think relevant example of speaking up in a meeting, if the pain is on speaking up, we won't do it. We won't change our behavior and start speaking up until the pain shifts to being on not making the change, on staying small, on not living into our potential. And so I find it really interesting to start looking at these paradoxes of motivation. And I'm sure that as you sit with them and start thinking of the changes that you've made in the past, but also the changes that you might be holding off in the present, where does the motivation come from? What does it relate to the most? Pleasure versus pain? Does the change that you want to make feel more painful than staying still right now? And maybe that's from that place of the pain is the fear, the what ifs, you know, what if it goes wrong? What if I don't get what I wanted? What if I'm not good enough? All of that, that fear sparks the pain and it puts the pain on doing the thing rather than staying still. And then within that, we've got the hope versus fear. And I also think social acceptance versus social rejection is a biggie, right? This is like, do we want to take a risk and stand out from the crowd? Do we want to risk judgment, right? It's all about, again, that more negative feeling, the social rejection versus the positive of social acceptance. The negative is so much stronger. Doesn't it feel that way? You know, imagine the risk. If you were to be socially accepted, you might be thinking, yeah, cool, that's lovely. But socially rejected, the thought of that is like, woof, no, no way, thank you. You know, and so you can then start to see how the more negative of these two paradoxes can keep us where we are. And so now let's shift to the second ingredient of the three for the FOG behaviour model, which is ability. And really this is, again, more in the context of product design and behaviour change, but really it's your ability to take action, your ability to actually act on the change that you want to make. And so for us, when we think about the changes that we might be making, that might be, do you have the time to do it? Do you have the investment, the finances to make the change that you want to make? Do you have the skills to make the changes that you want to make? It's really that unpacking the ability. And I think when I say time, because I think so often we think we don't have time, but it's that actually that we're not making time, right? It's are you giving yourself the ability to make the change? Are you saying weekend after weekend, I'll sit and reflect on it this weekend, I'll journal, I'll go for a walk. And then before you know it, distraction or just other obligations 
get in the way and then it's punted. It's onto the next weekend and then it's onto the Christmas break. Are you giving yourself the time? Are you prioritizing the time to give yourself the ability to make the change? And then under that, the third ingredient is prompts or triggers. So this is really the awakening, the wake up call element where we suddenly know, yes, this is it, I've got to make a change. And this kind of brings us back to where we started, where there's really two types of change, the change that we choose and the change that we don't choose, that we have to react to, adapt to. And so one of those, when we think of the changes that we don't choose, the prompt or the trigger might be more external. It's something that happens that we have to react to and that wakes us up, right? That sparks from the external trigger becomes an internal trigger and we suddenly realise, shit, I need to make a change and we react to it, we adapt to it. Or there's the internal triggers, the prompts that we proactively create and these might be a reflection moment or you know, the Christmas break is perfect for this, isn't it? Where we suddenly all reflect on our lives and look at what we want more of, want less of, which is great. I'm not dissing that whatsoever. Trust me, I'm a coach. But more the sense that the internal trigger then becomes this following a curiosity, following something where we are choosing to feel a certain way about a certain thing. And so when I think about this, a a perfect way to sort of illustrate the internal versus external triggers, let's say the behavior is listening to this podcast as that's what you're doing. So let's imagine that for listening to this podcast, an external trigger would be that a notification tells you about the podcast. A notification prompts you to then listen to the episode. It tells you it's live. So you head into the app and you have a listen. An internal trigger would be a curiosity, would be an inner feeling that you have, maybe that it's, oh, it's Monday, and I know Jess puts out episodes on Monday, I'm going to have a little look, see if there's an episode up. So that's the external, something from the external world, versus the internal trigger. And bringing us back to the biggest changes of your growth that we reflected on earlier, what do you feel have been the prompts or the triggers for those changes? And again, bringing it back to the one one of the biggest that I've made, which was very much inspired by my diagnosis, that to me was an awakening. I always reference it as a wake-up call and I never really sort of know why because it doesn't mean I was fully asleep beforehand and it actually had to wake me up. But now thinking it, thinking about it through the lens of this model, it makes sense. It was my prompt. It was my trigger. And although that might have started from the external of something that happened woke me up, it triggered these internal feelings, these questions that I suddenly had around, am I fulfilling my potential? God, I don't feel happy right now or fulfilled. And then suddenly facing my mortality, it was like, shit, I might regret never making change. So the external wake up call really triggered these internal feelings where I just knew I had to make changes. And again, as you probably already know, because I've talked about it quite a bit, those changes were then micro changes. It was really starting to work on my health, to work on my mindset, work on my resilience, I guess, bouncing back from something that I really didn't ever expect would happen and being able to get back to what I called like a sort of equilibrium of life and how I felt. And then beyond that, when it came to the anniversary, which was at Christmas time, a year later, more internal triggers kicked off because the external trigger of the anniversary 
made me realize I'd not made big enough changes and that there was so much more for me to do and I was still ignoring that inner calling to make a change and when we unpack that even further we could then look at so the trigger was there the internal triggers were there of I know I need to make a change the motivation suddenly became about the pain of staying still so the pain of not making those changes became greater than where I'd previously been putting the pain, which was, again, I feel like I'm doing Peter Piper, Picter Pepper. I hope these aren't too in your ears right now. But where I'd previously been putting the pain was on the doing. It was on the risk. What if I leave my job and I, it's the biggest mistake? What if I leave San Francisco and I want to move back but can't? What if, you know, all of these negative what ifs, again, fear was running the show until the internal trigger of that reflection point on the anniversary at Christmas made me realise that the pain needed to be on staying still. The pain of regret of never making those changes became so vivid that I had to make the change. And so I got back to San Francisco and in that new year handed in my notice and that was in 2017. So the question is, how can we make the change we want to make even in the face of fear and doubt and uncertainty and not knowing, which is uncertainty, but not knowing what's going to unfold. How can we make that change? And I think we've learned a bit about this from the FOG behaviour model. So just to recap, the three ingredients, motivation, ability and triggers. When all of those are in play, that sparks behaviour change. The motivation to change, and as you can imagine, the chances of us making the change are highest when motivation is also high. So that's something we could harness to look at, okay, if I'm really feeling this time for change, I'm going to do it now. I'm not going to pause and let myself overthink too much or let the fear take hold. It's best to act when motivation feels high. So we have motivation, we have ability, being able to actually act on the change that we want to make and execute that change. And then we have the prompts, or as I still refer to them, triggers so knowing that sort of awakening moment and really I kind of feel like motivation and triggers probably come hand in hand and then in order to actually execute the change it's the ability so with that in mind how can we answer that question of how we can make the change and I'm imagining if you know a change that you want to make motivation and triggers are already present I'm sure you know why you want to make that change and maybe hearing the paradoxes of the core motivators that we have, pain and pleasure, fear and hope, I'll flip them here, and social rejection versus social acceptance, maybe you can start to see where that motivation for yourself is coming from and where it feels the strongest. And if motivation feels like it's a blocker, perhaps what we can do is shift the pain to the not changing. Shifting the pain from doing the thing to not doing the thing, to staying the same. Then we also have the trigger, which I'm sure you probably can feel in some cases is that internal, God, I just know that something's not right. I feel stuck. I feel unfulfilled. I feel like there's so much more. I feel like the way I'm doing this isn't working. I feel like the way I'm leading isn't working. Whatever your internal trigger is for you, the key is to be aware of it and really harness that self-awareness because after all, awareness precedes choice and choice precedes change. 
And this is that wake-up call part, right? The moment where we become so aware that what we're doing isn't working, whatever that isn't working means for you, that's the beginning of that change. And then with the trigger in place, the motivation clear, it's about the ability. And so if you feel stuck on ability, ask yourself, what do I need to make this change? And get really specific about what you need in place. And I'm going to hazard a guess, and if I'm wrong, I'll eat my microphone, that with that awareness of what you need in place, with that mapped out, that you'll notice you already have everything you need. And that actually maybe our one takeaway from this episode and this exploration of the FOG behaviour model for how we can harness that to make our own changes, the ones that we know we want to make, but that come with a cocktail of doubt and fear. Our one takeaway might be that we swap ability for courage. And so when we feel like we're resisting change that we actually want to make, that we know deep down is the best for our growth and our happiness, that we call on our motivation and we shift the pain from the doing to the not doing, to the staying still, so that the pleasure becomes in the doing, in making that change. And we harness, we listen to, we tune into that awareness of our internal triggers, telling us that we want to make a change. And then we look at ability, but we swap it for courage, knowing that stepping into change is where we grow the most. Thank you for listening. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. I would love to hear your thoughts or anything that has come up for you while you've been listening. You can reach me at Jess Ratcliffe on Instagram. I would love to continue the conversation there or Jess at JessRatcliffe.com if you prefer email. And until next time, have an epic week and I will see you then. 